Welcome back to the Dealmakers Podcast Show with serial entrepreneur Alejandro Cremades, best-selling author of The Art of Startup Fundraising and co-founder at Panthera Advisors. In this podcast, we ask our guests about their successful acquisitions and financing rounds. Today's episode is brought to you by Basecap. So I remember when, you know, really building companies as an entrepreneur, how really frustrating is when you have people missing out deadlines, there's people that are not copied on emails, and then, you know, like everyone ends up failing in the pursuit of, of, of accomplishing things. So email is really great when you're doing one-to-one conversations, but when you have a ton of people there copied, you know, there's going to be people that are going to be missing out on stuff. So for project management, I actually found Basecamp and I found it to be a really fantastic solution. You know, basically what they are is a collaboration type of uh, tool that allows people to really engage with their offer message boards, the to-dos, the schedules, their document sharing, the group chats, and other tools that are going to help you in taking the game of your company to the next level. So go to Basecamp.com forward slash dealmakers and sign up today for their 30-day free trial. And there is no credit card that is required and you can cancel at any time. Alrighty, hello everyone and welcome to the Dealmaker Show. So super exciting guest today. We're going to be talking about entrepreneurship. So obviously a different way, you know, a different flavor of what we're used to, but, you know, nonetheless, still entrepreneurship. But in this case, under an organization that has a market cap of $112 billion. I mean, it's, a, it's easy to say that, eh? but uh, a lot has gone into that to build a company like that. So I guess without further ado, let's welcome our guest today, Romain Gaultier. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Alejandro. Thanks, and really stoked to be, to be on the call today with you. So give us a little of a walk through memory lane, because you were born in southeast of France in a family with four sisters. That's a lot of sisters. It's a lot of sisters. And, you know, like southeast of France, I uh, was born in Nice, um, you know, like in the French Riviera. Beautiful place, like really, really comfortable. But four sisters. And you said it, right? Four sisters is straight away, like you need to make a room for yourself. <laughs> and it's something where, you know, if you want to be heard, you need to be here. You need to make some noise. You need to take some room. And um, I think it's been like an amazing, you know, like time um, growing up in this family and just like making sure that like you can forge your character and you need to express yourself. Um, really to be heard. How how does that look like when you're trying to find you know your role in, in in the family? Because I mean, with all with so many sisters, I mean, I I see it myself. You know, I'm I'm the father of of three girls, so it's only girls and it's only women in my house. So I, I kind of like understand what you're saying. But when you are young and you're developing your personality and all of that stuff, I mean, it's I can see that that's a pretty big deal. So how do you, how do you go about you know finding your role? Yeah, well, you know, I would say it's like of like a a lot of trial and error. Right. At first, you try to get your uh, personality out, you know, in some different ways. Um, so usually like the, I would say the easiest way is just like to shout and to, you know, kind of like take that room. But then all of a sudden you realize, you know, that like it's not necessarily the way it should work and it works. And like, you know, it's, it's about the people around. And so starting to understand the way my sister would, would, um, you know, like think the way they would act and also like the rest of the family, all of a sudden you start finding your spot, you know, like what is, the place that you have and like how you should play it. And uh, it's a lot of so of compromise, right? You just can't just like have this mindset and like do whatever you want. It's a lot of compromise and like, how do I actually be part of like something bigger than just me? Uh, but it was interesting. Like, I mean, it told me so many things in life, even though I have to say sometimes like 
really frustrating. <laughs> I hear you. Now, now being born in Nice, I mean, Nice is beautiful. You know, it's say uh, you got the beach, you got like the good life. So how do you get into computers? Because, I mean, you studied computer science. So, I mean, being, you know, under, you know, the roof, you know, in front of your computer is not the type of stuff that you would think, you know, to do when you have those beautiful beaches. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, there, there are like a few things. First, like, I come from a family of, like, a lot of people studied computer science. It's actually pretty funny, but, like, two of my sisters, my parents, my uncle uh, and aunt have all done computer science studies, like, same place than me, right? So I knew the teacher. They had my parents before. So we come from this family where it was always kind of, like, part of, of you know, discussion and, like, what we study and what we learn, uh, but very on the technical side of things. For me, you know, like, I saw computer science kind of, like, as a way to see the world a way to change myself and a way to kind of like take my own path. Right. And, and, you know, I, I quickly like thought about like computer science as like, you know, the, the tech industry is something that I was always been like very passionate about, but like, how do I bring this into like the people world? Cause I was very much interested into like meeting people, not just the technical side of things. So, you know, like for me, I saw this as like kind of like a path to actually get out of this comfort zone and change myself and see new horizons and, you know, like, I'm pretty happy I took that road. And obviously choices, you know, lead you in different directions. And you made the choice of going to China. And not only yeah. it changed, you know, your perspective, also it changed your life because you came back with, with a girlfriend that is now your wife, uh, right? So biggest decision in your life too. Uh, but, but in this case, you know, for you, you know, I guess that getting out of Nice, being able to explore the world, you know, I'm sure that also that gave you a different worldview and, and a different perspective. Yeah, completely. You know, like, I think that was probably like one of the best things that happened to me. And I, I went there because I just wanted to be changed. I just wanted to wake up in the morning and not knowing what was going to happen, which was the exact opposite in Nice. I knew what was going to happen. I was very happy. And, you know, like, I got friends, got a beautiful place and like, it's amazing there. But I was like, you know what? Now is the time to really see like what I got <laughs> and, and to really see, you know, like explore the world, open up my mind. And, and China was for that was like just like the best thing uh, that I could do. Right. And as you said, right, it not only opened my mind, it not only like really made who I am as of today and revealed some aspects of my personality that I didn't know of, uh, but also like, yeah, like I found, you know, like my girlfriend, fiance and, to be wife, you know, and it's this kind of like situations where you don't really know why you're doing these things. You are just going with the flow and believing in your like instincts and gut feeling. And then all of a sudden, like things start to line up and planets align and all of a sudden it makes sense. Right. And that's what happened before, um, at that time. And everyone was telling me like, why are you going to China? Like you're very well where you are. Like, why aren't you going to the US? I was like, you know what? I can't tell you why, but I feel like it's the right thing to do. And at the end of the day, you know, can be happier than that. So what would you say was the before Roman and then the after Roman, you know, you know, right after that experience of China? Because you're, you're talking about like this road, you know, to discovery and, and, and opening your mind in, in, in different ways. So, so what was that after, that before and after? I think he kind of like ignited a feeling of um, wanting to know more, right? Uh, somehow, like, I think for me, the, the after China was like, I realized that there's so much more to it than like what I knew or what I thought it was. And that from that point on, you know, like it's just realizing that you start understanding that like you don't know so many things. And so it creates like curiosity, it creates like challenge, it creates like objectives in the long term, in the midterm, but it creates like a lot of things where like 
you just get into you, right? And for me, it was, it was really, you know, the realization that like, I have no clue. <laughs> I have no clue. And when you get that, when you realize that, you're like, geez, like I can learn so much, right? And versus knowing that like, I had my nice little life organized and it was kind of like easy. And all of a sudden it's just like, where am I? Right. And that was for me like a changing point. And I tried to keep having this kind of like, um, you know, mindset and like to be in that situation again, it's like, allow yourself to be surprised at the end of the day. That's what it is. Right. I like that. You don't know what you don't know as well. Right. So uh, exactly. I think that really getting to that point is, 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 is really incredible. Now, in your case, you, you came back, uh, you traveled a little bit. So you went to Copenhagen, you, you, you keep studying there, you did your master's too, and then you land in Paris and entering, you know, the, the corporate world. So, so SAP, so how do you land in SAP? What was that process? Yeah, I mean, it was, it was mostly like a, you know, like circumstances. I met a guy who, you know, was very interesting and like we got a coffee, then we got a few drinks and like at the end of the day, it was kind of like, all right, well, you know, I'm working at SAP, I'm looking for someone, you know, your profile, why, why don't you look into it and, and join the team? Um, and, you know, at that point, I was like, large corporation, it's going to make my parents happy, you know, they're going to be able to sleep easy, they look into the market cap. And I'm, I was thinking, for me, it was like, I'm going to learn from like the top, right? I'm going to be in that environment where the products are strong, the teams are so strong, and like the values, and like, I'm going to be part of that. But, you know, like quite quickly, it kind of like became a uh, also a big challenge because you arrive with like sparkling eyes, you know, from your studies and you're ready to change the world. And then we put you in a case because that's what it is as well, right? You're here to execute and deliver on, on kind of like the job desk. And um, it was so, you know, like it helped me understand a bit who I am and like how I can deliver on this. It also created even more need to spark and create something different. So in, in, in this sense, I mean, you're entering here like a really big company, you know, over 100,000 employees. So, I mean, there's obviously like all this type of complex processes internal and all that stuff. But one thing that you really come across is the importance of creating relationships from scratch. So how do you get to that, to that point? So I started to work for like a few, you know, like massive corporations, you know, like Fortune 500 companies. I was helping them in terms of like technical support, um, oil and gas and like big manufacturing companies. And, you know, like I kind of started to realize that like the the relationship we had with these customers, you know, sometimes it was really good, sometimes it was really bad, but it was like an existing relationship with a lot of baggage, right? And my really like my my interest was into saying like, why don't I start from scratch? Like, this is the most beautiful thing you can do is like to create that relationship with a new partner, a new customer, right? And and this kind of like idea of like, I'm going to make sure that like the relationship that we're going to create is going to be nurtured from the get-go. It's going to be, you know, like based on like very strong foundation that can further down the line, you know, avoid sometimes some mishaps. Obviously, they're going to be ups and downs, but like just to make sure that you start in a good way was for me like the most satisfying thing I could do, right? And and a lot of what I've done in my first years at SAP was that, right? It was like really like seeing at what point you go from I might be a supplier to you to actually like let's plan the future together. And that was for me like the turning point and like the most satisfying thing we could do. And it seems also that SAP, I mean typically in, in those super big organizations, you know, you, you really feel 
and, and, and in this case, it was not your case at all. And, you know, in other big companies, it's like more, you're like just one more employee. But one thing that I'm very impressed, you know, with your experience and also with SAP is that they gave you that sense of belonging and that sense of ownership. So what do you think SAP has gotten right around that? You know, I think, I think the sense of belonging, it comes down to like people, right? Uh, it comes down to leadership vision that people have, um, I mean, can share uh, throughout the, the, the corporation. And I would say I've been very fortunate there because I've had the chance to meet the right people, the ones that motivate me, the ones that inspire me, the ones that like also like protect me and coach me, right? And for me, that sense of belonging comes from that, right? And obviously, like you look at the value of a company and you want to follow and like you look at the strategy and that's something that like puts you kind of like a guiding principle, gives you a guiding principle. But at the end of the day, like the way you feel, you know, deep inside or the way I feel deep inside is due to the people that I see and that I meet and that like give me, you know, like their vision. And I've been very fortunate there. You know, I've met, you know, the right people. I've had the perfect absolute boss at some point that like really helped me discover myself, challenged me a lot, gave me the freedom as well to, you know, kind of like look into, you know, all these curiosity things that I had in mind. And, and yeah, like that, for me, was like the biggest thing in terms of belonging. It's about people and it's about like leadership. It is always about people. And talking about people, one day you are supposed to be meeting other people and, you know, hyper growth type of company. And you show up there with your suit and tie. And that, you know, created or sparked, I mean, it was a big realization for you that came out of that meeting. But uh, I'm sure you felt a little bit out of place showing up with a suit. So what, what, what happened there? completely um well it's kind of like uh it's it's a real turning point actually in my life i would say um and it all started with like an out of office believe it or not but it was very funny it was a uh, you know like a prospect we were talking to super hot scale up in in the baltics and um and the first mail we got from from that cfo that we were going to meet was an out of office sorry i've gone surfing I'll, I'll catch i'll catch up later and just like this out of office for me was just like wow like we are so structured and we have like this mindset which is like very corporate and all of a sudden here you see a cfo is like a person and in his out of office he's saying like yeah i have personal interest and i'm going there and and this was just a realization of like we think different right and when you have passion when you have like people like incorporating like mission and values then all of a sudden, like you see, like a different way to engage, a different way to work, and and so when we went to to visit that prospects in, in the Baltics, you know, it was it was like a realization that like we were not speaking the same language. They were speaking with their guts, you know, and they were speaking with like vision, and you know, like there was a company dog, and we had our freaking suits, and we didn't have the right value prop, we didn't have the right understanding of like the challenges of, of this prospect, and it was kind of like a realization that. All of a sudden, there was a blank somewhere. There was a hole in the racket, right? And that hole, like, I mean, it became obvious that, like, it was it was my role to fill, right? And it was, you know, the thing that would really make myself uh, be the best version of myself, right? So that was that was like the very big turning point, and that's when like we created this entrepreneurship program. Hey guys, so pardon the interruption here. I gotta tell you that. You know, for those of you that are either looking to raise money or you're looking to get your company acquired, you don't have to be alone. You know, there's a lot of psychology that needs to be blended with strategy, with methodology, with process. 
and it's very hard and already doing your business alone is super, super difficult. So I remember, you know, back when I was an entrepreneur, I kept really experiencing the challenge of either knowing or finding the right type of access to the right type of investors or really understanding what was the right type of guidance, you know, that would carry me through the process, whether it was with seeking money or with going through the acquisition. So that gap that I found being an entrepreneur is ultimately what pushed me later on when I met my co-founder at Pantera, Mike Sieversen, to really put together an advisory firm where we are guiding entrepreneurs and founding teams through the capital raising efforts, whether you are at a seed stage or at a series A stage, or if you are going through the process of an acquisition and you are in small to mid cap type of cycle. So again, you know, we would help you from guiding you and, and supporting you from A to C all the way to the end as an extension of your team. And there's no reason for you to do this alone. So with that being said, if you would like to find out more, feel free to send me an email at alejandro at panteraadvisors.com and we would love to take a look at helping you out. So what happened next after you have that, right, that realization? Because you make it, you know, sound very simple, but when you are under, you know, such a big organization, I mean, you really need to, to present this, you know, at a high level so that they're able to really give you the green light. I mean, this is ultimately what entrepreneurship is all about, you know, is able to have a vision as well yourself, but, but then also being able to enroll the larger, you know, organization to really, you know, get behind it. So, so what happened next after you got this realization? Just after that, it's a lot of uh, very like quick, but intense, like thinking. And, you know, like what happened is like, I put in like people that are really trusted to come in like full brainstorming mode with me and think about like, what is that we're going to do? Like, what is the value? And it's very hard because when you start doing entrepreneurship, all of a sudden you have like a few different stakeholders. And obviously you want to keep, you know, your prospect and customers in mind for everything that you do. But you also like some of your customers will be your boss, right? And it'll be like the company that you belong to that you want to explain, like, that's why we're doing this. And that's why that's what's in there for you. So it's kind of like bimodal kind of like mindset that you need to have is like, what is relevant for my customers, but what is relevant internally as well? And what does it bring there? So it was a lot of like, you know, internal brainstorming in terms of like really thinking through, right? What is this? How does it have value? And we knew he had value. We knew there was potential, but like, how do I translate that into like a corporate strategy that can be heard where we're actually going to put like, you know, money, budgets, and mandates. And that was the most important. So like for like, probably like three weeks to a month, we just challenged ourselves really hard to kind of like dust it off and like no crazy idea, like clearly, concretely speaking, like what's in it for the customers, what's in it for SAP. And then it was all about like getting that spark, right? Appearing differently. And the the, the chance and the value of like being at SAP for at, at that time, it was like more than seven years. It's like, you start to know the company, you start to know the people and the mindset, and you also start to know how to fuck the bear around, you know, and like, what is kind of like, kind of like the ignition on the spark where it can come from. So at that point, it was like, we need to pitch it to the top and we need to make sure that they're on board. And fortunately, you know, we've had the right audience. We've had the right mindset. Like people were very, very interested straight away. And, you know, sometimes it makes you realize as well, like, it's just a matter of like people taking this and saying like, I'm going to be accountable. I'm going to own that topic. 
and I'm going to bring that to the top, right? And, and, you know, when they saw that passion, when they saw that a lot of people were rallying behind, they realized that like, hey, there's something to do. Let's start. And let's start small, right? It's always the case. It's always like, let me show you a little bit. Let me bring you some wins and then we can experiment. So then in this case, you know, like when we're now, you know, finally, you know, it's, it's coming to fruition and, and, you know, this is more tangible, you know, and, and really becomes SAP grow. You know, now, I mean, for the people that are listening to really get it, I mean, what ended up becoming SAP grow? I mean, what is SAP grow for the people that are listening to get it? So SAP grow is like, um, it's, it's, you know, an engagement model, it's the program for hypergrowth companies within SAP, right? So when we talk about hypergrowth companies, it's usually companies that, you know, have been around for a little bit. We don't talk necessarily about startups, but more about scale-ups um, and that are truly experiencing hypergrowth, whether opening like 15 countries in a year, like cr- starting to create new business models or like just like accelerating in terms of like the number of transactions to reach a certain stage. So usually we see companies around series A, but more B, accelerating all the way towards the IPO. Um, and so what we do as part of that is like we offer a program for these companies uh, that are based on two pillars, right? So the first pillar is the run. How do we have a software that makes sense for them and that literally busts every myth that you could have about SAP? The fact that it's expensive, we have incentive. The fact that it's like very long, we can make like a four weeks implementation for a cloud ERP today. The fact, you know, that you don't have any support, we have like the necessary customer success, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. You can find all the information. I'm not here for that. But it's more about like, what is it that makes SAP relevant when it comes to, you know, running software? And then the second thing is, how can you leverage SAP? And here is something that's very close to my heart is we're sitting on a gold mine. We have more than 420,000 customers. You know, we run, you know, the finance and like the operations of like 95% of the Fortune 500. And as part of that is like, how can I leverage this and bring this to the scale up um, ecosystem? Right. And, and this kind of like um, business catalyst role is something that's very close to my heart because I do believe that's where the future is going, right? It's creating value together versus changing that mindset of like, it's just a supplier relationship. It's much more than that, right? And here it's about bringing opportunities and helping nurture that growth to make like the biggest customers of tomorrow and the biggest companies of tomorrow. Because I mean, some of the areas where you can plug in and have access to like also the bigger umbrella of SAP, I mean, it's a, now, you know, being able to help with financials, you know, when you're going into an IPO, that's very difficult, right? To really get everything, you know, fully audited and make sure that you have everything in compliance, the HR, the manufacturing, the distribution. I mean, it's really a, a lot of stuff that really comes into play. So I'm sure that, you know, the value, you know, by really plugging yourself into an organization with over 100,000 employees, I mean, it, it, must, it must be explosive. It is. It is explosive. But, you know, it's kind of like a very good balance to have between like you're these massive corporations with a lot of power, right? But, and a lot of customers in this massive ecosystem, I think like more than a million people touch an SAP system every day, right? That's huge. But what is important also is like to come with like this very humble approach. And the truth is, you know, we've never been very present for hypergrowth companies, right? We've never been a main actor for in the scale-up community. And so with that comes, you know, like a big, responsibility to engage and to arrive on this market and say, look, guys, I'm here, you know, like to become credible and to become legitimate for you. Right. And, and that mindset shift is very important because you might be, you know, one of the world leader in application. When you come onto this market, 
you need to prove you know what you can do and that's why we're like arriving with like this really like i would say like this approach very um you know like uh, humble where we want to show you the value of the basics right and that's why we start with financial for most of the time is like let us take the pain away from you of something that's not going to be a competitive advantage not going to reinvent the wheel but it might become a problem down the line if you don't anticipate and and the idea for us is really to say like we're going to do something very small where we think we know what we're doing we know what we're doing we've been doing that for 50 years but it needs to show value to your company and then we'll be you know legitimate and credible enough to say let's do something like more strategic let's talk about your operations let's talk about you know like your talent acquisition let's talk about other stuff but before you show that to a company in a brand new market you know you know one even if it's called sap like you need to adapt your uh, your engagement model and that's i think what this entrepreneurship adventure is all about is the way you appear and the mindset shift and the people how do they think and like how do they understand you know what could be um, a partnership with sap that's all about it and how how do you go about you know making sure that because, I mean, all these companies, hyper-growth companies, I mean, it's all about building something that is repeatable and scalable. But when you are plugging in, you know, such a massive organization and the resources of this organization to really help, let's say, the top line, whether it's customers or investors or additional distribution, whatever that is, how do you plug that in a way in which you're not going to make a lot of things break, if that makes sense? It's a lot of trust from the beginning, right? What we work a lot on is to say, you are the right time or you're not, right? And a lot of the time when we start engaging with customers, we tell them, guys, like this, this is a bit too early, for instance, right? Um, if we come in, we're going to put a structure in place. We're going to put processes in place and best practices from the best, right? From like all the customers that we have and from 50 years of experience. But at that point, it's too much for you, right? You still need to have the flexibility and agility to do something else. So, I think it comes from that at first, right? And and the fact that like we're like in a true SaaS world where like you can't have any customer unhappy is helping there because you need to create that trust from the beginning. And then it's all about like starting small, right? And we iterate and we we grow as we show credibility, but we start small. And it's kind of like the opposite of like what SAP has been doing in the past, which was always like showing the value end to end, right? fully industry-specific vertical, you know, every single thing that we can help you. And here it's about saying, actually, it's the opposite. We're going to show what we can do in a very small manner. But once you trust us, then we'll be able to have that, you know, uh, yeah, that, that credibility to say, like, why don't we bring you into something else, right? Why don't we look into another process, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, I mean, you guys have been able to onboard, I believe it's over 100 startups, so 105 to be more precise. And I'm sure that you have some really cool stories. Why don't you tell us the story of that thing, bank, you know, that now that we call a bank, that, you know, the time where they came knocking, there were three individuals. You know, so that was so, so interesting. Like one day um, someone reached out to us. I think it was like a Gmail address. And it was like, yeah, like I have a crazy idea. I want to create a bank. I want to talk to you guys about it. And, you know, I've been starting to like leverage my network and I looked into potential investors. I think we, I can get backed, but what's going to be important for me is that I have a very strong tech backbone that can get me get that license. And, you know, in that country, like I think a license for a new bank hasn't been given for like 70 or 80 years. And, um, and it was so interesting because, you know, when you think about it and then, and think about any kind of like big corporation and like a sales motion, it just doesn't work, right? Like this mail would go straight to, uh, 
whether you know like the the spam folder or like forward it to someone that doesn't understand and here it was kind of like saying like hey like let's try to do something around that right it's going to be also a way for us to understand like what is expected in the future and it's going to show if we're flexible or not and we started to work with them and you know the company was not even registered and from three they became five and we started to create a plan all together you know and i think we signed you know our, our contract with them to like be the true core banking operations the day they registered the company. And now they're more than a thousand employees, like a year and a half later or something. And they're already like a unicorn, right? And being part of that adventure, it was just insane because we learned so much from that. And that's also part of entrepreneurship. And to come back to your point earlier, is like, what's in it for the company? That's what's in it for a company like SAP. It's like learning how to handle these cases and learning how to be flexible enough to be able to respond to this kind of demand. And, and obviously, I mean, three individuals, I mean, it's a, it's not a lot of people. So why do you think that it made sense for you all to get involved with them? And what do you think they got right in order to go from three to a thousand employees in literally a year, which is insane growth? I think it was like a very good combination of we are going to like completely change the mindset. We're going to disrupt everything that like, you know, this industry has seen, uh, like crazy idea. Right. It was just like, we we're going to come with a crazy idea. Um, but we're going to make this very tangible with the right actors. Right. And I think it was also part of the decision going with SAP at that point, at that time was like, you know, SAP is the trusted leader when it comes to this industry. So, you know, it was like the spark on the one hand and like the vision that no one has. Even SAP were thinking like, can I pull that off? But yeah, like we got into it. You know, we talked to the founders and we were like, yeah, like we believe in that. And then on the other hand, making sure that like you don't reinvent something where it doesn't bring any additional value. Like trust the partners, you know, that can bring that to you. And I think it's all about actually it's a good representation of ICP growth, right? Is that mission, that mission and the spark that we want to bring in. But also like we don't want to reinvent the wheel when we know that we have like a lot of best practices, a lot of very expert people within the company that we can leverage. So it's always this kind of like balance. Now, in this case, you know, for, for you guys, I mean, you have um, a big responsibility. You're like uh, one of the biggest companies, you know, they're operating in Europe and, and, and obviously the really helping in building the ecosystem uh, around the venture, the venture side of things and, and, and really fostering those companies that would end up doing an exit, then angel investors, VCs. I mean, it just forms the whole thing. How do you see yourselves you know, playing in, 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 in the ecosystem and then also having that big responsibility to, to push, you know, and, and, and have that innovation, you know, continue to thrive. You know, like we're the, the largest tech corporation in Europe and, and with that comes like a lot of responsibilities. And, you know, I think we're feeling quite a few of that, but when you look into the hypergrowth, you know, kind of like ecosystem and, and I would say like the entrepreneurship ecosystem, we've been working quite a bit on this. We have an incubator, you know, like we have, you know, some funds helping as well. But I feel like we we had to think about like how do we take, you know, that duty to the next level because we do need to do something there. And, you know, the concept of like European tech autonomy is something that's very close to my heart as well. And when you think about it, we're the biggest in Europe that can, you know, be um, facing, I would say, the CAFA, right? At the end of the day, that's what it is. So it's about like, you know, um, I would say like creative competitiveness and making sure that we all go up and we all help that ecosystem. And, you know, like as part of that, it's we need to play a role, 
And that role can be played in a lot of different manners, right? It, it can be played in terms of like nurturing um, the ecosystem, making sure that like, you know, we can bring up some voices as well in terms of regulation, in terms of where the industry is going, but also like nurturing the, the business itself, right? And the ecosystem around that. And, and here we have like incredible value. I mean, we're sitting on a gold mine. We, we, we have so many customers. We work with so many different people and like we have a true impact in terms of like, how do we see the world? Right. And here it's about saying like, why don't we onboard these people with us? Why don't we onboard the scale-ups, you know, that have their vision as well? We listen to them and we collaboratively create the future there. And, and I think that's the, 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 the duty that we need to play is to say, we can't go there by ourselves. It can be like a strategy that we define by ourselves. It, can, it has to be a strategy that is influenced by the up and going and the ones that are going to change and disrupt the world, right? So that that uh, mission, I think, is very important. And, you know, it's it's incredible to see how it's going, right? And specifically in Europe, the capital flowing, you know, for the last two years. I mean, obviously now we're seeing like a little bit of tension, but it's been like a real, you know, uh, testimony to the fact that like the attractive attractivity in Europe is higher and higher and the tenants, you know, are getting like more and more involved. And also like we see, you know, this kind of like exode to the US, to North America, or sometimes to Asia that was very pregnant at some point. We see that less and less because people are saying like, yeah, I do believe that I can create that community and that I can bring it up uh, for the better. So this is what we want to do, right? We want to be part of that. We want to play a role in that. So to that end, from uh, I imagine you were to go to sleep tonight and you wake up in a world where the vision of SAP Grow is fully realized. What does that world look like? <laughs> so first, it's like a continuous like vision, right? It keeps changing and it keeps evolving. Like that's the beauty of entrepreneurship. It's like we don't have a 10-year strategy, <laughs> right? We have a five-year, two-year um, kind of like, you know, mindset, but it's always changing. If tomorrow things change completely, you know, like for me, it's SAP has a role to play in the scale-up ecosystem, but it's also learning from the scale-up ecosystem. And, you know, it's about like evolving into like maybe new business model where it's not like supply relationship or anything like this. It's like, how do we create value together? And we have like a revenue model where like everyone can, you know, be part of that. That's the first thing is creating value together. And the second thing for me is, you know, and that's the reason why we are an entrepreneurship program is bringing our customers and bringing our employees in that path, in that journey. And and that's for me, like the most important is like everything that we do and everything that is successful, we want to replicate for the rest. We want to replicate for the customers. We want to design the experiences of tomorrow for SAP and not just the scale up, right? So this market is so important for us because it's the pivot. It's the pivotal piece that could bring us to you know, the future and like the, um, the, the experiences that we're going to provide tomorrow. And this is, you know, if I wake up and, and SAP grow is like fully executed, that's what's going to happen is like, we're going to onboard so many more people than just that segment. So now you're on your way with SAP grow, uh, to, on your way to the third year anniversary and the third year birthday of SAP grow. And if I was able to put you into a time machine and bring you back in time, that moment where maybe you were coming, you know, out of that meeting, like, oh my God, you know, what's going on? You know, when you went with a suit, you know, and you met with, with that hyper growth, you know, uh, company, and you had the opportunity of having a chat with him yourself and give that younger Roma one piece of advice before launching SAP. 
what would that be and why, given what you know now? <laughs> it's a very good one. I think it would be something around you need to make sure that this become much more than just you and your team, right? I think there was a turning point in this program where it became more than the sum of ourselves. And we started to understand that like it was completely uh you know like pushed by the ground, pushed by the people around. Uh that you start seeing like people that were putting on LinkedIn, you know, the fact they're working on grow. And like I didn't even know these people. And and that point, like at first you know, like you have a um, a first reflex, which is like, I'm going to protect it because I don't know where it's going. It's it's not the right way to go. And it's it's absolutely like the worst way to go, actually. It's about like saying the objective is to become more than the sum of yourself. But that's where you need to be smart about it and like bring that vision that's going to onboard people to your thinking, right? And you're going to define your thinking as well based on that. But, you know, like that realization that like, don't fight it, don't try to control. Instead of that, like fuel it, you know, and bring the vision, bring people on board, get like one step ahead. That's, I think, like the biggest difference. And and that's where we really saw like a true exponential growth in the way we act internally, the, the you know, the, the way it was recognized internally from like just a program pilot to it's going to be a true strategy of the company. And also externally, that's when it became very, very successful successful at that time because then all of a sudden you have people that encompass your vision that encompass the mindset and um and you know like i think that would be the message to roma three years ago and maybe like um you know do a little bit more sports <laughs> I mean, because, that's, it. that's it. nothing like being healthy that's for sure i love that now now for the people that are listening you know that want to reach out and say hi and and that perhaps want to learn more about how to get involved with sap grow i mean what what's the best way for them to get in touch you know what? Like, I think you can reach us um, on our website, sap.io slash grow. Uh, you can also reach out to me directly on LinkedIn. You can reach out. I mean, like, just put SAP Grow on Google and you'll find a way to, to get in touch with us. Don't worry. Amazing. Well, Roma, thank you so, so much for being on the show today. It has been an honor to have you on the DealMaker Show with us. It was great. Thanks for hosting me. If you like the show, make sure that you hit that subscribe button. If you could leave a review as well, that would be fantastic. And if you got any value, either from this episode or from the show itself, share it with a friend. Perhaps they also appreciate it. So also remember that if you need any help, whether it is with your fundraising efforts or with selling your business, you can reach me at alejandro at pantheraadvisors.com. You've reached the end of another episode of the Dealmakers Podcast. For free resources and materials, head over to alejandrocremades.com. Thank you for listening and see you at the next episode.